Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. And I'm Michael. And this is the Endurance Innovation Podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Endurance Innovation. Joining Andrew and myself today is Richard Lang, founder and CEO of Spoked. Now, Spoked is a company that is in a field that uh, is an interesting one for for both Andrew and myself. Uh, It's something that we are very keen to learn about, and that is uh, an algorithm-assisted cycling coaching platform. That's what Spoked is. Uh, And we talked a little bit about this in the last show that we released, or depending on when this comes out, a few shows ago, when we talked about our our interest in this uh, quickly growing uh, segment of the market. And uh, Richard is going to be here to help explain how all of that works. Richard, thank you very much for your time and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Arnold. Thanks, Mark and Andrew, for having me. Really uh, looking forward to getting stuck in. Yeah, cool. So uh, why don't we start with uh, why it is that you decided to uh, put Spoke together? What sort of problem uh, are you trying to solve for either the coach or the athlete? Yeah. So Spoke started about four years ago. Um, So I guess my own journey is that I used to be, I'd say, a semi-professional cyclist. So it wasn't like at the top, top. I was able to represent Australia at Worlds, um, right in Europe for a couple of years. Oh, cool. And, and I was able to sign a contract with Rafa Condor Sharp in 2012, and that's what brought me to the UK. So I'm a Sydney signer, but, or lived in Australia for about 20-odd years, and then, yeah, moved abroad and been in Manchester for the last nine. Um, yeah, so did the cycling. Unfortunately, didn't work out, but always passionate about health and fitness and um, finished at 24 and then sort of started moving into – uh, personal training, uh, nutrition, and then of course online coaching. Okay, and uh, I was fortunate fort- enough to sort of build a, a nice business community um, within Manchester. There was a business called Oak Rulers, and part of that we delivered a lot of um, events, corporate rides, and I did a lot of the coaching. And me as a coach, I sort of got to a point where you only can really coach so many athletes. Um, and then it gets to a point where it starts to be copy and, copy and paste. And then from a rider's perspective, they're not getting the same value of what they're signed up for. Hmm. So a couple of the guys that said, Rich, could we automate this process? So these type of riders, they will probably describe them as your cycling enthusiasts. You know, family's number one, then it'd be work, and then it'd be cycling. Sure. And for them, they wanted to know, what do I need to do today? What do I need to do tomorrow? I don't have an hour to call a coach. I just want to be told what to do and just let me um, get along my way. So um, so part of that community, we had a couple of early stage investors and we took our idea and our concept. So um, the initial concept was with Chris Newton, Connor Taylor and Will Forbes. And we went to a Manchester digital agency to sort of start building the first iteration of the engine. So it's, you know, what is the goal? What do you, what FTP do you want to achieve? What are the key demands? So it's, you know, endurance, strength, threshold, VO2, what combination. And how long, how long ago would this have been, Richard? That was about four years ago. Okay, cool. And uh, it's been uh, quite a journey. So (laughs) I've probably made every mistake under the sun being a tech entrepreneur. But we had it built by the agency. Um, It's really sort of a back end, not very front endy at all. And okay, cool. This looks good. Let's build the front end on top. So that was probably about six to eight months worth of development. And we took it to the market and it just flopped. 
Um, and it's like a real sort of smack in the face. Not that it didn't, well, there wasn't an appetite for it because you tell people about the vision of, you know, what we're trying to achieve. You know, we're trying to make it simple to train smarter. But just the simple execution of delivering an algorithm-based coach is so incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. It's like you've got, one, you've got the, the data side and, you know, you've got all the research out there, all the data models, what type of um, training methods you should be following. But then on the other side, you've got the UX UI. You've got this softer side of what a cycling coach brings, and there's no research papers on that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there is, but it's very hard to nail that. And that's something that we've really paid attention to, uh, the last, especially the last three years, and just sort of speaking to hundreds and hundreds of riders. And, like, for an example, it's like the power of terminology and, you know, making assumptions that, Riders don't know what zones are. You know, what are zones? And then hmm. how do you communicate to a rider how to pace a, a threshold effort? You know, you might have a 10-minute effort and you want sort of equal pacing or you maybe want a slight negative split. How do you communicate that? You know, because you don't want to communicate it with a thousand-word blog because then they start to get overwhelmed. Sure. So it's about identifying through a rider's journey from building their plan or their goals, setting their availability to see in their first week's training, to see in the first session, to understand, okay, what is the first effort do I need to ride? So it's building, so automating that handholding process, um, which is something I found really fascinating. It's such an interesting point from the just the general tech perspective, though, how there have been so many cases of products that have just fantastic backends, but they can't uh, they can't execute on the user yeah. experience, and they yeah. just—they're terrible as a result, and yeah. and they just get abandoned, even if it is a really good product. Yeah, hundred percent. Tour de Giro, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, a friend of mine uh, had started a uh, a racing program that. Um, that was actually, we found out later on, actually quite recently from Eric Min, that it was uh, an inspiration for the online portion of Swift racing. Oh, wow. um, so it was pretty cool to have him mention that. But uh, unfortunately, the, the user experience wasn't great. Well, the user experience was fantastic. The user inter- interface yeah. wasn't great. It was, um, uh, yeah, a little bit rough for graphics and how it mm-hmm. operated. And that was really what led to the the failed adoption. And it, it, it's interesting um, building a tech platform and... You know, we are, you know, we're sort of a Manchester sort of tech startup. We're growing. But you've got to be, I think, very transparent in those early days and, you know, cop whether those negative comments on the chin and sort of document the process of how you're building it. And I think if you're sort of honest in that approach, I think people give you a bit of leeway mm-hmm. because you're not saying I'm, you know, the bee's knees and this is what it's going to do. Okay, these are, this is my vision. This is where we are now, and this is how the potential roadmap of how we're going to get there. You want to come along for the journey. And I think that's something, again, I underestimated the power of community and, you know, getting riders around together and just sort of leveling up, you know, together. So how did you do, how did you do that? How did you level up from your, your first uh, failed attempt when you had a strong backend and not the best UI uh, to, to where you are now or where you're going? What, are, what, what does that leveling up look like? What did you actually have to do? I think one is being transparent in the way that we built. So a lot of our social, I talk about how we're building Spoked. We have a, an open product roadmap mm-hmm. that riders can, you know, just on Trello, you can sign up and, you know, you can leave feedback and you can sort of see what we're building. And there's also within the community, you know, if you've got 10 riders, 20 riders, it's just got this constant loop of, of communication. So, hey, guys, you know, this is what we're trying to build. So um, 
at the moment we're going to be showing uh, the number of intensity points within a session because at the moment we show the way you gauge intensity of a session we just simply show rpe score you know a score out of one out of ten and you can sort of get a feel you know ten oh, this session's going to be intense two yeah this session's going to be um slightly easier but riders have been asking how is that made up so what are the level of intensity points? And so now we're bringing that in and sort of documenting the process there and sort of saying, you know, the color coding behind what determines easy, medium, hard. Um, when you completed the ride and you've say that this session might've been 50 points and you've done a hundred, how should that be communicated? And what type of feedback points do we need to say, how do you improve that further? I think that's a critical component um, in obviously a, a uh, an algorithm based coaching platform, but even in a, you know, human coaching platform, like, yeah. like me, for example, that's a, that's a really sticky wicket. It's hard to get that, that subjective, um, the subjective score. I don't want to say correct because it, it's not correct. Yeah. It just is, but how to make sure that you're speaking the same language as your athlete, as a coach. Um, it's very easy to capture, you, you know, yeah. it's very easy to capture data and to capture objective metrics like power and heart rates, but our, even RPE, that seems so easy. I, I still have folks that I talk to and they're like, this is my, here's the, here's, here's the descriptor of what these numbers mean. And I'm still getting, you know, like numbers that don't make any sense to me. And then I talk to the person they're like, oh yeah, that was pretty easy. I'm like, well, why did you score a six? Cause a six is quite hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, it's, and, and that's with, with coach feedback, with, um, with, you know, very consistent kind of interaction. Uh, I imagine for a, uh, you know, a platform that doesn't have that interaction, that is infinitely more difficult. And, and I think that just shows the power of terminology and how you have to get that right with every point of the writer's mm -hmm. journey. And then consistent, just having that consistent message that you put out in social, put in the community of what things mean. Yeah. So it almost becomes like, you know, a set of common language that people sort of understand. A hundred percent. But you still need to get that buy-in from the, yes. from the individual that you're working 100%. with. Right? Like it's, you know, you're, when you, when you first started describing why it is that you created Spoked, it's because you wanted a simpler or a less time intensive interface for the, for the athlete, but they still, they still need to put in the, you know, obviously the, the pedaling work, which yeah. is trivial to say, but also the, the learning work. Yeah. I know. I think it comes down to a rider still needs to take ownership of their training plan. Yeah. Otherwise, they're not really going to follow it. They're not going to have 100%. any buy-in. So I think there needs to be a little bit of, say, you know, positive friction. So, and that's that, that learning element. And, of course, there's probably multiple stages of learning. And it's like understand what is the bare minimum that you need to know to have a personalized training plan. And then, of course, you can take it to another level. And I think to further complicate this problem, um, watt for watt, you can take the same workout and it can have completely different RPEs on different days. Yeah. So if you're not feeling well, if you've had totally. you yeah. know, a, a bunch of personal stress, something like that. So, and that's, I think, again, where the, the in-person coaching or the, at least where the pre-compiled training plans have stumbled in the past and in-person coaching has excelled is taking a little bit more of that direct feedback from the athlete. And, you know, maybe this is a hard time for me or I've got work travel coming up or, you know, I'm just about to have a child or something like that. And you can factor all those things into the training plan where all these other things that are set up months in advance, they have no consideration for those factors. I totally agree. And so what we've done um, so we're building sort of a newer version spoke parallel to what's out in the market and just based on all the insight and feedback that we've gathered. And there are a couple of key points that we should hopefully not necessarily overcome the hurdle, but smooth it out. 
is that within the upload form, we ask the riders, um, what's their freshness score? So obviously what's their physical freshness and what their mental freshness is. Mm-hmm. And that will have a different set of algorithms that impact the training plan. Because I think from a, a mental perspective, you could be mentally tired but still produce a good session, but you could be physically tired and it's definitely, you know, something needs to happen. And then there's just the power of sleep and getting people to really buy into the importance of it. I mean, in terms of sleep quality. So what you ask is, how long did it take you to go to sleep, time in bed, and did you get up any time during the night? Mm-hmm. And then from that, we're able to work out a sleep quality percentage. And then depending on where you are from, say, 85%, that will have a different impact on the training plan. It's interesting that you mentioned those those three metrics of sleep quality. Uh, well, and one is duration, obviously quantity. Um, that those are the th- kind of in my understanding of of sleep and and measuring it. Those are those are the three that I would pick out too. That's that's interesting. It was we are, we actually have a sleep expert coming on the show in the next couple of weeks, um, and this this comes from her research. This is Dr. Amy Bender, uh, and I'm sure it's corroborated by other folks. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting that you pick out those three because those would be my three as well. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about. About um, the inputs that uh, the spoke takes. Obviously, you mentioned uh, we just talked about sleep quality. Um, you talked about freshness score, mental and physical fatigue. Uh, what else does the algorithm look at in order to uh, adjust training? So let's maybe zoom out and let's talk about kind of big picture uh, inputs like season goals or objectives, and then drill down into into specific you know session uh, inputs. Sounds good. So when a rider first arrives, they go through the plan builder process. So first step is about understanding what they're – so it's like a rider assessment. So what is your physical and mental freshness scores? Because obviously that's going to impact um, the first week's training load. Mm-hmm. And and then the other element is there'll be a data upload. So this is what we're building within the new technology. And what we're trying to decide is are you a beginner, intermediate, or expert type of rider? Because that's obviously going to have different impacts of how the plan adjusts to you. Okay. And so, for example, one element of that could be in terms of the intensity points, that we have a, a multiplier that attached to the session duration. Because um, just say you do an endurance base two-hour ride and a, a, a five-hour base endurance ride, the five-hour one is going to bring a lot more stress to the body, even though the intensity is just the same. Sure. Um, and then so they establish the rider assessment and then the next step is about establishing their goal. And in particular, the goal type. So is it a road race, crit, time trial, alpine? And what is the priority of this? So is it an A, B or C? A is generally three weeks out, you have a recovery week, then you go into a controlled and then you go into a seven-day taper. Okay. A B is just a seven-day taper and as a C, it's just, it just you just train through. So a rider can start mapping out their season and they can chop that change, chop and change it whenever. Mm-hmm. When it comes to time to train, so at the moment um, people just sort of set their availability and they'll get sessions that match the, the time that they have. In the newer version of what we've learned is that, well, what we have also in, in current um, sort of V1 is that free rides. So me as a coach, if people want to do a swift race or they want to go out on the bunch, I don't want to be that coach who goes, no, nah, you can't do that. I want you to do four by four VO2 efforts. It's like, Cause they're still going to, they're still going to do it. Right. That's the, that's yeah. the joke on you coach is because they're, you know, most people are still going to say, no, I really want to do this ride. Especially if you're being virtually coached and no one's actually going to give you shit for it at the end of the day. 
Exactly. And like for me, like enjoyment is number one. You know, why do people ride their bike is for enjoyment. And if they enjoy their riding, it leads to consistency. They get fitter. It just spirals. There's so many positive things that um, come from that. Yeah. So we have the free rides and then they'll be able to set what is the expected intensity of that free ride. So they'll be able to say in their availability, one to 10, um, you know, 10, it's going to be super intense because I know I'm going to be doing a swift ride for an hour. Or they can say, I've got some plan rides. And then the other element that they're able to say is other. So other refers to gym, walking, um, swimming, and then they'll be able to set the, the planned intensity for that or the expected intensity. And then Spoke will model out um, how the sessions would fit within the week. And, of course, they can chop and change as they want. They may override a day, and obviously that will have an impact on the following day. So it's rider assessment, set a goal, time to train, um, of course, you can link your accounts. So, spoke um, talks to Training Peaks. We talk to Garmin. We talk to Strava. Cool. And then, and then the last step is about establishing your fitness levels. And this is yeah, your zone. So, what is your FTP? What is your functional threshold heart rate? But also, riders can just train simply by feel, and that's just sort of a simple RPA metric. You know, one to ten. Like, of course, you're not going to get the same level of detail, but at least you're still going to get the key principles that are hold within a structured training plan. One question I would have is, as an athlete, when you're planning out your your availability for these sessions, how far in advance are you looking? Because sometimes things come up at the last minute, yeah. like, hey, do you want to go out for a walk today? Or do you want to go downhill skiing? Or do you want to, you know, sit by the pond and feed ducks all day? Something like that. So it's... Uh, Option C, please. <laughs> <laughs> may not be great for your t- training plan option C, but uh, um, how, how often is this recalculated and how often as an athlete can you input these preferences? We only ask you one week at a time so that um, I roll in Monday to Sunday. You can change your availability anytime during the week. And the, the current version of Spoke adjusts your training plan on a week-by-week basis. So when you set your availability, I've got eight hours it's trying to get that balance between volume and intensity to ensure you don't overcook it. So within the summary, we have a, a weekly sort of workload progress bar. So, you know, you've got your six sessions planned and you want to get to 100%. So you can clearly see if you override a session, you put in a free ride on top of your two-hour ride that you did and it's just sort of just spanked everything. You can sort of say, geez, that's brought a lot of stress <laughs> to the week and I still have two sessions left, you know, for the eight hours that I have planned. So are you looking for a specific uh, training intensity distribution? Are you looking at kind of the traditional polarized or pyramidal or when you're when the when the system designs the 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 target RPE or target intensity for each session? We're probably looking more on the polarized model. But it's about what is the goal, what are the key demands, you know, of that goal and then mm-hmm. planning that within the plan framework and ensure that it progresses through the phases. Got it. What about, you mentioned uh, basing, if you are basing your intensity on power, which I think is this, I want to say the standard for, you know, most folks as, as power meter pricing goes goes down and as everyone pretty much gets a power meter, right, Andrew, as it becomes a, a full-on commodity component now. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, as people have more access to it and, more, and a better understanding, it seems like power is kind of the 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 standard um you mentioned basing things off of ftp 
there are noted limitations to that. Um, and when I, I trialed spoke for a couple of weeks, listeners, just, uh, just to give it a go before we had this conversation. And one of the things that I found was uh, a session that was supposed to be quite intense that had, I think, 30 second repeats at uh, what would have been, I think, maybe 130% or 135% of my FTP. So, but essentially my maximal aerobic power. So 30 second repeats at, at maximal aerobic yeah. power separated by something like eight or nine minutes of of uh, maybe 70% um, work. I, I, that session for me is not hard at all uh, yeah. because, you know, 30 seconds of map, uh, you know, if, if I was doing that 30 on 30 off, that would be tough. Obviously yeah. that'd be a good hit session, but, uh, separated by nine minutes of, uh, of 70% riding, that's really pretty, pretty mellow. But the, the stated RPE or the target RPE was, I don't know, like a seven and I would score that session a three or a four. Yeah. So there was a bit of that kind of dichotomy. And I'm wondering if that's because, you know, maybe I have a bigger, you know, a bigger gap between my, my maximal aerobic power and my FTP than the average person or because, um, you know, or because maybe I'm just used to that, that session. So how do you, what do you think about that? I think it's definitely an interesting one. So of course, FTP has its flaws, but I think from a cycling enthusiast perspective, FTP is starting to become common terminology that people can grasp yeah. and understand and help moderate the intensity of the training plan. In terms of those top end efforts, it, it is a tricky one. And we've been trying to do a bit of research on it to say, can we model that, say, your 30 second effort based on the recovery ratio on previous benchmarks? Mm-hmm. And is there a sort of a percentage from a benchmark that you should ride? So, you know, you look at your 10 second, 30 second, one minute, probably all the way up to maybe seven minutes, which will refer to, you know, your VO2 anaerobic capacity work, yep. you know, giving you a, a what range of what you should target. And then obviously that will refine as you train and, you know, the algorithms learn, okay, yep, that was way too easy. So let's bump up next time you get a, around a 30 second effort, let's add X percentage to it. Well, so that's, that's, I guess that's what I'm driving at in my question is, are you looking at a certain, you know, RPE difficulty? Is that what you're trying to chase in a session? Or are you looking at a certain kind of, you know, mechanical output if you're, if you're doing power mechanical output, um, that you're chasing because you're trying to elicit some kind of physiological adaptation. So which one is it? Is it like, are you trying to really like put the herd on in the session so that it's a truly difficult session or yeah. chase a specific adaptation, um, say metabolically or maybe neuromuscularly yeah. if you're doing top end stuff? We, we want you to, you know, to chase it. We want you to herd in the session for yeah. those particular okay. efforts. Interesting. Okay. So with those RPE scores is that what we've done is from a sort of session demand perspective, we sort of said, across this as a coach what should i give this session yeah now um, but what we've done in the new technology is that we've built an algorithm to predict this based on the number of intensity points and and then a coach will have the final say so the way that we build our models is yes it's science based but it's coach led but what you see from a front end is rider led because they're the ones that are going to interact with the training plan Okay, so coach-led how? I'm sorry, I don't quite follow on that. Um, since- so coach-led is that, so within the algorithms, there are a number of dynamic variables that as a coach, I can dictate the outcome of what should happen. Okay, so when, when somebody subscribes to Spoke and is following a plan, uh, is there coach involvement, it, no. like a human coach involvement, or is it all, all, all algorithm? All algorithm. Okay. So then, so then, as a coach, you are designing the you you know obviously you have a hand in designing the algorithm, um, yes. and then 
Yeah, and then the algorithm then runs with it, basically. 100%. Because okay, yeah, cool. where I find my role um, within the business is that, look, I'm not a, I'm not a sports scientist. You know, I am an online coach, but I'm more probably passionate in the UX, UI things. Mm-hmm. And like I, one person that I really like to follow is James Clear. I don't know whether you've read his book, The Power of Habits. Uh, I've heard the book, but I haven't. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've heard of, the, I've heard of the title. I have not read it though. And, and I, and I like to, I like to think I bring some of that methodology into the platform. So I sort of sit in between where you've got, say, Nick Berger, you know, Chris Newton, you know, sports scientist, you know, elite cycling coach, and then you have the developers who don't know a training plan at all. They don't even know what you know zone zones are. And then you've got to sure. upskill the devs to be able to code um, what the sports scientists the elite coach, but then also what the riders want. So it's that fine line of sort of delivering a well-rounded um, platform. And I think that's, that is where a lot of companies fall down because this multidisciplinary approach, um, you do have to be good at all of the different components in order to execute a good product. Uh, and, and so many companies try to do this, but uh, just fail when it comes to the basically gluing the bits together properly. <laughs> yeah. And I think what helps with that is that, you know, our values is simplicity and being smart. But with a simplicity element, we're able to take a clear stand and saying that we're not going to get too heavy in the data side. Sure. If you want to dig into, you know, the data analytics and analyze your sessions to the nth degree, that's awesome, but that's not us. If you, if you want that, you know, you can go elsewhere and, you know, analyze your data um, within those platforms. No, and that's that's a, that's very fair, right? I mean, that's it's it, you can't be all things to all people, and yeah. it's the stupid thing to do to try to do that. Um, I'm 100 percent with you on on that. Um, and you're right, like with you know, and I kind of challenge you on the whole, you know, the FT, <laughs> the limitations of FTP. But you you make an excellent point. Like for um, you know, I I I'm a big fan of the maxim that you want to do most things right most of the time. And with FTP, you can do most things right most of the time. And kind of my like nitpicky. Um, example was well, it was that it was, it was picking nits. <laughs> no, of course, and, and, that, and that's why we're sort of looking at: can you model your top end efforts from your benchmarks? Yeah. And Nick, we've seen, tried to dig into a bit of research, and there's no clear cut model to establish what is a percentage, you know, from your FTP or percentage from your benchmark. And that's something that we're letting data lead in terms of what it should be. So you know, we can look at how many hours do you do per week? What is your FTP? And then, you know, what What are your benchmarks? And then within your data profiles, what do you hit for a 30-second effort with one-minute recovery? What do you hit for a 30-second effort with um, you know, two minutes recovery or 10 seconds recovery? So that's, so we can sort of dig into that. There's an interesting platform. I don't know if you've heard of them called Exert um, yeah, by a fantastic. Canadian company. Yeah, yeah. so they have, a, they have a really interesting math model for, for exactly what you're talking about. Like yeah. what... What is recovery? They model, I think they model recovery better than anyone else that yeah. I know of. Um, and they are, yeah, it kind of in my, you know, limit, admittedly limited understanding, they're the best at, at modeling recovery yeah. because they, they know the answers to that question better than, like I said, than, than anyone else I've seen. Uh, it's a fantastic platform, but very uh, data heavy. Exactly. Super data heavy. Yeah, it's for like the serious nerds in the in the industry. And I'm really like it's it, it's it's encouraging to hear you say that you're you know, you've identified your niche. And I think for the, for what it's worth, in my experience, that niche is big. You know that there are a lot of there are a lot of cyclists who 
Um, and this expands to runners, triathletes, and I know that's yeah. something that you guys were looking at down the line when we talked off yeah. uh, off air. Um, there are a lot of people there who want some guidance, right, and mm-hmm. some some ideas, and they don't need a full on coach. Um, they maybe don't want to pay for one. Maybe they just don't really care enough. They don't have the time. I'm with you 100 percent on that. And so there's there's definitely there's definitely a space for for this kind of you know not top end level of analytics that'll that'll get people you know 85 90% of the way there sure you're not going to become you know a world class sprinter using nothing but spoke maybe no. if <laughs> but that's that's not the point right we had a nice example so uh, a young lad max so part of um Welsh cycling federation um he was just on the fringes of being part of their pathway program mm-hmm. and he's been on spoke uh, i think the last sort of 5 months added 50 watts to his um ftp oh, wow. similar to his 3 minute power and he's got onto the pathway program now and for me like I'm so chuffed about that. You know, see a young lad, you know, whether you spoke, improve, you know, learn about training phases, learning about um, the power recovery, you know, you know, doing easy rides, you know, knowing when to press on, when not to. Yeah. And he's sort of, he's leveled up in one from an education piece and of course from a physical piece. And now he's in so much a better place going into the pathway program. And then the Welsh cycling coaches can take him to that next level. And for me, I just get so much joy out of that. Yeah, no, that's that's such a great story. Um, and then, like thinking again too about some of the folks that I respect in the field of of sports science, like like Steven Seiler, he's got his famous, and I quote this all the time, his uh, his famous um, hierarchy of endurance needs, which is b- borrowed, stolen <laughs> from Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of you know human needs, uh, and he just talks about. Yeah, it's just like, you know, volume, frequency, and then training intensity distribution. You get those two things right, and you're like 90% of the way there. And that's, you you can more than likely get that without digging so deep into the science, for sure. And it does give those people just dipping their toes in who do have that skill, um, or do have the physical ability or skill to, to back it up. It gives them that extra push that, as you said, with your example, um, could get them noticed by the professional coaches and the big teams that could really get their career kickstarted yeah. when it might not have otherwise gone that way. 100%. Because I, I can just reflect upon my own writing career and we've always got like this this little thing on our shoulder that says you should be doing more. Do I really need this rest day? And it's like if you've got, you know, something there that tells you what to do, you know, you just follow it, you back it, you're going to improve. Yeah. Yeah, that that's true. That it's it's very hard to divorce yourself from your own training, especially yeah. for self-coached athletes. I know, you know, like I coach, and I think I understand principles of good progression and and you know load yeah. and progressive overload. But when I when I assign my own workouts, it's basically like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, eh, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go go hard today. Yeah. I'm 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 making the same dumb mistakes that like that other people are making, even though I technically know better. Be it, mm-hmm. but you know. I, I also, if I was, if I was taking my own training seriously, I would hire a coach. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, the, and that's the beauty of coaching is that you've got the data side and then you've got the mental side. Yeah. The point I was trying to make is you need that kind of external voice. Yeah. You, you need to be able to, you know, pull your head out of your own ass and, uh, and, <laughs> and think about things objectively, which is hard to do when it's up there. <laughs> Plus it's really hard to argue with a computer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, it's easy to ignore a computer, though, Andrew. That's, <laughs> that's, that, that's, the, that's the other side of that coin. It's like that's, that's if you've a got a human, point. you know, telling you what to do and expecting things from you, that's a different story than when it's uh, an algorithm. 
so if we if we take a step uh kind of a sideways forward step i i don't know what direction that would actually make it but um looking <laughs> at <laughs> diagonally uh some kind of dance move but if we if we look at the the platform and how it's got potential to grow beyond cycling so you mentioned the the multi sport uh implications that you're starting to get into now how how do you see the platform how do you see spoke to becoming a multi sport training tool well, I think we want to expand into, into the endurance market. So I think anything that can be, you can moderate the intensity via zones that has the potential, um, you know, to move into. So as you mentioned, triathlon, you know, running, sort of swimming, rowing. Um, I think the key thing is understanding what is the relationship between, say, running, cycling and swimming and what impacts does it have. So you almost need to build another engine of how to orchestrate those type of sessions together yeah um and you know we'd have to you know invest in the team and getting experts to help um sort of shape that but i think the ultimate thing is probably in, in just in terms of the health and fitness is like you can start going to gym you know sort of sets reps and even the weight that you lift that can be tracked you can moderate that intensity and workload but i, I think for now it, i think it's just sort of doubling down on the cycling you know it's something that we know um in and out take those learnings and then just progress slowly. Yeah. That, uh, that interaction between the sports, uh, that is complicated. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, I am not aware of any really robust research, uh, or evidence that really, you know, that, that, that serves as a roadmap for the interference effect, both positive and negative between, the different modalities and in triathlon you got three right that's mm-hmm. that's a huge pain in the ass like there's there's so there's ones this is definitely going to be a, a an episode where we click the explicit box um because <laughs> I, I i've had a serious case of potty mouth this morning um but uh it's it's tough to it is tough to see what the what the interference is there have been a lot of articles between endurance and strength right on the effects of weightlifting or other resistance training uh on endurance uh activities and how you want to uh, stack those two two modalities, but when you then you add swimming and either running or cycling the other one, um, then then it gets it gets super complicated. It's basically my I'm kind of ashamed to admit this. My my coaching approach has been very ad hoc to uh, to to this question of like basically based on availability, people's availability when they can get to the pool, um, and then how they feel after this workout or that workout. I I wish there was a more systematic approach that I'm aware of. Uh, That's kind of a gap in my own understanding, I think. And that is an interesting problem to bring up where pool times often dictate what your training schedule looks like. It might be optimum to train in the other order. Especially in this city. Yeah. Well, and and right now, like I, I've said this a couple times recently, but I haven't been in a pool since last February. And that's just because they haven't been open. Um, so some areas are, are lucky to have pools that have reopened. But uh, in most of Canada right now, I think they're they're shut down and definitely in Ontario. Um, just because of the the COVID restrictions in place, so that that aside, um, even finding lane swimming time can be challenging at the best of times. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's going to be that's going to be an interesting pickle. So it's it's good. Uh, I think. I, well, good. I, I'm encouraged to hear you say that you're doubling down on the cycling side first um, to really you know iron out the wrinkles there because yeah. uh, you're you're compounding your, <laughs> your your the complexity of your problem tremendously when you start adding other sports in there. I think. Yeah, hundred percent. But I, I think it presents a nice opportunity. It's a nice challenge. Totally. Um, 
and yeah, it'd, it'd be awesome to sit down with like some of the lead, you know, triathlon coaches and sort of sports scientists in that type of area and just really drill down and go, what are the absolute key metrics that you look at to adjust your training plan? Mm-hmm. You know, how many run, ses- run sessions should be there, you know, when you've only got 10 hours a week to train? How many cycling sessions? And I think you could, over a couple of days, start to map out just a core training planning, core principles. Um, not relatively easy, but it's definitely achievable. Uh, I think you're right. And I th- I also think that there's a, there's a, a very wide range of opinions out there. Yeah. Um, I've listened to a lot of coaches who are much more, much smarter, much more successful than me say completely different things, you yeah. know, and, and have had really good success to back it up. I've had, you know, people on the, the world championship stage who are very successful with vastly different training yeah. approaches. Um, and so there is, you know, there's definitely something to be said about individualization, um, I mean, that's true across the board. That's kind of not, you know, not splitting any atoms to say that. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's going to be very, super interesting for me as kind of someone sitting on the sidelines to see what, what smart folks like you, Richard, will come up with and in, uh, in trying to standardize it. And for me, I'd be, you know, I'd love to interview you know, so many riders in terms of what questions do they ask their coach and what questions does a coach ask? Because I think yeah. maybe a triathlon program requires more feedback loops in terms of how the plan should adapt than a cycling one because there are just so many more other elements that you know you could have 10 different options that's borrow from in my experience with uh, most athletes especially ones who are time crunch and almost everybody that i work with is uh you know families and work and they're the kind they're exactly the the demographic that you outlined earlier in that you know uh Families first, work is second, training is third. Um, for them, because triathlon takes up so much time and because there's a little bit of a, and I, I want to be really careful when I say this, there's a little bit a little bit less risk of, of overtraining because you've got different modalities, right? So if you're a pure runner, it's very easy to break a pure runner, very easy to overload that person. But if you've got a cyclist, it's much less easy because obviously, you know, not, not straight impact. Um, and, uh, and, uh, with, with, with triathletes, it's actually, you know, it's hard to physically overload unless they have quite a bit of time. Mm-hmm. I gotta be careful. It's not that hard. It's, it's definitely doable, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's less, it's less easy. Um, and so a lot of our, uh, a lot of our decision-making is based on scheduling and availability of like how much, yeah. how much time do you have to train? Right. Because I will fill it for you mm-hmm. as a coach. If you tell me you got 12 yeah. hours. You know, I won't get you there right away, but I'm going to eventually try to fill 12 hours of training, right? Um, yeah. And uh, obviously, cautiously, but um, and I will progress different disciplines at different rates because yeah. there are, you know, the cycling you can definitely build a lot faster than running, for example. Yeah. Um, but it's it's you make you you bring up a good point, Richard. It's very the kind of the the levers, the primary levers that you are considering are different for for multi sport folks. So what are we looking at for next steps, I guess, because you, you mentioned doubling down on cycling. What would you, in an ideal world, what kind of features would you like to see offered through Spoked? Or is that tipping your hand too much? No, no, it's, uh, we're developing it right now. So we're in an inter- interesting position here. So we, you know, Spoked has, say, the B2C proposition, what riders mm-hmm. interact with and train with. And when I, you know, analyze sort of the, more predominantly the, the cycling market, you know, what, what is our, our USP is our algorithms, and that's what I'd like to think a lot of the other sort of tech tech platforms or hardware businesses sort of lack. 
you know, yes, they more predominantly just focus on the in-line experience. You know, we can name all the big, you know, virtual online platforms. But I think the pre and post perhaps lacks. And I think this may present a, a nice B2B opportunity for Spoked is, you know, where, you know, what businesses could we support and become, say, a technical partner with in supporting our algorithms? Interesting. Are you able to talk about any people that you've approached or is that something that you would uh, rather not talk about? Well, all the NDAs are in place, so I can't say anything. But we are, yeah, talking to um, couple of hardware businesses and software businesses. Well, I'm definitely interested to see how this this pans out in the future because it is such an interesting area looking at how to um, – how to provide more, I guess, insightful coaching for for this group of athletes that you're you're focused on here. And I know one of the other discussions that you and I have had in the past, Michael, is that uh, some of these tools that I guess streamline the plan building uh, allow coaches to actually focus more time on the athlete themselves. So it it can actually be a collaborative tool too, where the coaches can provide detailed feedback. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily putting coaches out of business. It's something that you can, you know, it's another tool to add to your your uh, your toolbox. If anything, it probably helps the cycling coach acquire more more clients and help more people with their own training because they spent, like you say, less time building the training plan, changing it. But maybe the algorithms present a data report. You know what's been good, what's been bad, what things do you need to communicate, and then you organise that half an hour hour chat with the rider, and you just go through it and back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of uh, yeah. As Andrew mentioned, we've talked about this. Uh, it when I first started learning about these uh, these uh, systems coming online, I was you know my initial reaction was was, a, was kind of a threat response. It's like, oh no, my job is 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 uh, at risk here. But the more I thought about it, um, the more I'm yeah I'm aligned with the way that he thinks about it. That. It's gonna it's gonna help us do our job better. It's gonna take some of the some of the routine, um, low kind of low. Uh, I don't want to say low knowledge tasks, but tasks that don't require a lot of uh, a lot of analysis off our plates potentially. Um, maybe some of the high end decision making stuff re- remains with the coach, but the the more straightforward routine stuff is done by an algorithm. And yeah, you're absolutely right, Richard. That it can definitely enable coaches who are keen to, to use this technology to to work with far more athletes and uh, and still do a, a great job for them because i know for me i've i understand what my coaching limit is uh, above which i stop doing a good job and so i've set that as a hard limit for myself um but uh, with a platform like this potentially there is that potential to go above that yeah and, and i don't think the algorithms, you know, the way that the industry is going, I don't think it's ever going to replace, you know, the top end coaching packages, you know, that I know riders in the UK, you can spend hundred pounds, 200 pounds, 400 pounds a month, you know, working with a coach. It's never going to replace that element of the coaching uh, industry. One is because riders who can afford that aren't price sensitive and they want to be talking to someone and to build that rapport. Yeah. I think the impact that will have is on the training template, um, element of it all you know a coach builds a training template that they try to sell mm-hmm. um i think that's where it probably will have the biggest impact but then if i flip that and i think from a writer's perspective if i compare a training template to an algorithm play um algorithm based training plan they're going to get a lot more value out of the algorithm based plan so if anything the writers are getting more value from from the training plan 
I agree. I found that uh, as a coach, uh, first of all, I never write training plans for people because they're, you know, there's no, there's no way to adjust them as you go. Uh, so I no longer, I mean, I n- almost never really did. I tried for a little bit when I was, yeah. you know, just starting, but uh, it's not a, it's not a business model that I've ever pursued. I think it's not good value. It's not mm-hmm. good service. And my, that's my own opinion. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think that side of the business can, can definitely be improved by an algorithm based, uh, platform. Yeah. Um, so Richard, where can listeners, our listeners learn more about Spoked? Uh, what are your social channels? Uh, how do they sign up? All of those useful, relevant details. You can follow us on social at Get Spoked. So we're all on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, probably the most active on Instagram. And then to sign up for the platform, it's either online at spoke.com okay. or if you have an android phone you can find us in the google play store cool thank you so much for your time this has been super interesting and kind of our first uh toe dip into the the world of uh of ai or or uh, algorithm assisted coaching and i really appreciate the time guys michael andrew um love being here and i hope uh, the audience is listening i found some value out of it yeah, it would be great to hear back from our listeners if you do give Spoke to try uh, how you feel about it and, and what kind of feedback. And I'm sure, Richard, you're probably looking for constructive feedback as well, because it's always nice to hear from the end users how how you can make your platform better. 100%. So my email is rich at spoke.com. So if you do sign up while listening you know, to the podcast, yeah, ping us an email, let us know that you signed up and always happy you know, to tear up a Zoom chat. That's awesome. Thank you. That's It's always great to have kind of that direct access to the uh, the folks that are, are developing the platform. It's kind of similar to what Andrew and I have been uh, having a back and forth chat with the guys that developed Core. Um, and it's great to have access to the people that are actually able to make decisions that that improve your, your user experience. All right, listeners, thank you very much for your time as always. Thanks for, uh, for tuning in and uh, spending uh, 45 minutes with us today. As always, if you like the show, tell your friends, give us a rating uh, and a review on the Apple podcast store. I've just learned recently you can't do that on Spotify. Shame on you, Spotify, for not allowing people to rate us. Uh, (laughs) But if you're a Spotify listener, we love you nonetheless. Um, And uh, check in with us next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.